Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. This is, this is the next Sunday. It's Christmas Eve. It's coming up very quickly for me this year. I still don't have my Christmas tree up. It might not ever happen. I don't know. We'll see. It's not important. It's not important, you know? And um, I, was, I was processing this message and was just kind of just struck with, with the culture where it's at today, you know, um, and, you know, the, the very real essence of, you know, 15 years ago, like even, even when my older kids now were in school and in elementary school, you know, there was still quite a bit more of Jesus being represented in the stores and in the places. Like we're seeing him pulled quickly. You know, it's kind of a slow process. We don't really notice it, but every year there's just a little bit less of seeing Christ in Christmas. And I was just kind of processing that. And I, I know like actually Corey did a great job because he, he sang the Christmas story to us today, right? Like we got to, to see the Christmas story in song today. And, um, and I, I love Christmas, but I think that what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're being biblical with it. And let me explain that. From the Old Testament through the New Testament, God set celebrations in place. So many different celebrations. There were so many different memorials or altars that were built. And the purpose of celebrations was specifically to have a time and a day designated to remember an event. The faithfulness of God usually was a huge attribute of each one. Think about, um, we have different ones in the Old Testament. My brain is clearly struggling here with that one. So like Passover, right? Like Passover is a big day in the Old Testament that was celebrated, you know, and it's still being celebrated today, but it's, it was the celebration of God's faithfulness to the Jewish nation and him passing over the firstborn children, right? And saving them, really, it was the whole process of being saved, right? You know, and he had, like, after they escaped from Israel, they built an altar, and they worshiped God. They wrote songs, and they sang, and they worshiped God for his faithfulness. And then the altar was there so that any time they would pass back by, they would remember the faithfulness of God. And so celebrations and these moments of um, days that are set apart from the Old Testament throughout all of the scriptures were meant for, they were meant as markers because God understood that we needed to learn to remember. We needed to remember and we needed to have stories to pass down to our children about the reason why we celebrate. Why do we talk about this? Why is it important? It's important because God was faithful. You know, and then you have, you have different places where God showed up. They were, the Bible, or I should say, the scholars called them meeting points with God, where they built monuments to God. You know, Jacob built a monument to God at Bethel when God showed up and he met them. So they were called meeting points with God. You know, and so they were not quite a celebration of a holy day, but they were, they were places that were set aside where it was like a memory of every time you pass by, you need to remember that God met us here. God came down and he met 
people. You know, and then we have other, like, so those are a lot of these were the ones that God actually called us to celebrate. And then you have other scriptures like out of, um, it's called Purim. I think I'm saying that right. And Hanukkah. Those are actually celebrations that were not instituted by God, but that man instituted themselves because of the faithfulness of God. So God showed up in a marvelous way. And because they had seen the history of of God saying, hey, celebrate this, make memorials, celebrate, remember, remember, remember. When God showed up and God didn't come down and say, you have to have a celebration over this, they said, we need to celebrate the faithfulness of God. And so you see in Hanukkah, it's the same thing. And we were doing some research on it the other day, and it's really fun to actually, it was called the Festival of Lights, and Jesus celebrated Hanukkah, you know, even though God didn't command them to. You know, it's such a beautiful thing of a man-made holiday that God actually is like being honored in. You know, and I think that that's the essence. I don't think. That is the essence of what Christmas is about. It's Christ's mass. It's the worship of Christ. It's the worship of God. And it is like not commanded by us to worship him and to celebrate that, you know, in the Bible. But it's one of those days where we have to remember that God, it's a meeting place with God. It's a, God, it's a place where God showed up and he became Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. And he became like us. And I think it's so incredibly powerful. But here's the thing, and this is the place that I really want you guys to just remember. We have to teach this to our children. We have to teach them about who Christ is. And not just we're celebrating Santa with Santa and Jesus. It has to be devoted to Christ. It's Christmas is the worship of Christ. That's all it is. It's the worship of God loving man enough to come down onto earth and to change everything, right? So think about, think about holidays and not holidays, I'm sorry, birthdays and anniversaries and all of these things, right? We celebrate events, you know? And I was thinking about that the other day or yesterday, just kind of processing this um, message and just kind of going, okay, so on July 18th, 1996, (laughs) Sean and I went on our first date. I remember that. 27 years ago. Yesterday, December 16th, 1996, I lost my last grandparent. Still, it's a mark. It's a place of remembrance. It's a day that we remember, right? You know, in 1998, on Valentine's Day, we got engaged, you know, and then six months or eight months later, I got married in September of 1998. And then we had children in 2005 and in 2007, in 2014. I have those dates. Those are places of remembrance, right? And they're days of celebration for us. And every year that we have an anniversary, we take time to process the last several years, right? And we celebrate and we rejoice over what God has done in his faithfulness to us in our relationship, in our family, right? When the kids were little, I used to take them every single birthday. We would take them back through their first, like their pre-born days <laughs> and, and all of the date, like their birth pictures and kind of just walk them through like, this is, this is the first several years of your life. 
you know, here are some videos where you get to listen to your little tiny voice talk, you know, and, you know, and you get to, you get to enjoy watching yourself grow up, you know, and we get to enjoy it with you because we're celebrating and honoring a person, right? And it's beautiful to see in the, in the birth of Jesus, how God also did that, where he sent, you know, he sent the, um, the shepherds to go and to celebrate with Joseph and Mary, you know, on the same night, like God shows up in the heavens while they're out doing their work. And he comes in with this huge orchestra of angels and they're singing and then they're proclaiming the birth of Jesus. And then they all left their jobs to go and to celebrate with Joseph and Mary, the birth of the King. Like Jesus was celebrated on his birth, you know, and I think that it's really, it's really important. But here's the thing. I think that we can forget, we can get so focused on Jesus being born as a baby that we kind of look at it like the birth of a baby, you know, and it's a beautiful thing because what happens when somebody is born? You know, when, some, when a baby is born, we are so excited and we're so in love. But beyond that, there's, it's not just for the child, although we get to see the miracle. You know, it's, we, I just remember like Sean and I just kind of going, like taking Elijah because he was the firstborn, right? And we're like holding him to my stomach going, how did that, how, like how was this human inside me, like it's, like it's so crazy, you know, to kind of go, this screaming redhead was somehow here inside me, like what is, like this is so crazy, but it's beyond that. It was, it was the hope for what he, who he was going to become. It was the dreams and the, the pictures of the visions and the, you know, the prophetic words that we had already had prayed over him, that we had, he had destiny, he has destiny, right? And we were so excited to watch that destiny unfold with every single one of our children. That's the essence of Jesus because Jesus, but here, I, let me, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting back and forth here. The other part of it was, it was with Elijah, it was the end of an era for us. Sean and I had been married and just the two of us for seven years. And suddenly we're no longer two, but now we're three. And that third baby changed everything for us. There was a complete shift of era. We were, we were overseas in missions and so we would just head out on Sean's motorcycle, out anywhere we wanted to go, into the, into the little um, villages and all kinds of stuff. And then suddenly I have a baby, and we plan to continue to do that. So I would strap him into, yes, I'd put a little helmet on him, and I would strap him onto my chest, and we would get onto the motorcycle, and we would drive, you know, um, on the switchback mountain roads to whatever village. And then we found out that that was not healthy for Elijah, because the water wasn't safe and caring for him wasn't easy or safe out there for him. He would get sick often when we were in the villages. And so suddenly I am now no longer able to go and do the things that we were doing before, you know, but because we loved him, it didn't matter. But there was a shift in the era, a, a, like a season ending of it just being Sean and Misty and it now becoming a family. You know, and then you go from a family of three to a family of four. And then we moved from a family of four to a family of five. And every single time there was an end of one season. I remember thinking about that when I was pregnant with Josiah. I was like, we're no longer going to be four. Like now we're going to like have another one. Like now we're going to have to figure out how to shove a car seat in between two other little car seats. That doesn't really work well in my little super mini car. You know, and I'm like, like just trying to process through the, 
the, the changes that were happening, but there's a shift in error. Like one season closes and another one opens. And that's what was happening with Jesus. Was Jesus, was as he was being born, it was the, it was the ending of a season. There was a season that was ending of the old covenant of all of the rituals and the, and the restrictions that were on there. The law was, was coming to a slow close at the birth of Jesus. There was a shift that was happening that we have to remember because that ending of an era of the old covenant, Romans calls it, um, what does he call it? Hold on. The law of sin and death was coming to a close and the law of grace was getting ready to be released. And Jesus's birth was right in the middle. We have to teach that to our kids because it's important for us to remember why Jesus died. And so I have several scriptures today that we're going to read that are not out of the stories of Matthew and Luke where we hear about the birth of Jesus. Instead, it's kind of popcorn through the New Testament of the why did Jesus come? And so the first one, the, the primary one that I want to talk about from is Galatians 4. It spells it out so beautifully here. Galatians 4, 4 through 6 says, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem, which means to purchase the freedom of those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit into his son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. At the fullness of time, At the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, right? So there was a season of people waiting for years for the fullness of time to come. And then in a moment, the fullness of time arrived. And it's where Jesus was born. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So he came in into our, our place as God sheds his God skin and he steps into an embryo skin Right? And then nine months later, he is birthed through a woman under the law. So he was under the law of sin and death. Right? And he was born there so that he could redeem us and set us free. Because the Bible says that we are all stuck under sin. We are slaves to sin and we cannot get free except for the birth and the life and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. But Jesus had to go through life to walk in righteousness before God so that when he died, he could die a sinless death. So his birth was critical. He couldn't just show up as a man, you know, show up from the wilderness and be like, hey, here I am, I'm God. He had to be born under the law and he had to live his life because the life that he lived proved that man could live sinless and his sinless life was what set us free, right? So I want to take a second and kind of just process the idea, though, of God becoming man because it's, this part is so critical. It was, it's, the pers- it's the picture of God looking at a sinful world, recognizing that from the beginning of time he was going to come and he was going to sacrifice his life. And so he chose to step away from heaven and from the glory of being God and to come, become a human. And Philippians says it so beautifully. It says, through, through um, though, I should say though, it's not though, 
There we go. Though he, Christ Jesus, was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his, design, his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This is the moment that we're remembering when we celebrate Christmas. This is what we're talking to our kids about, is that God became man and he dwelt among us as a person so that he could free us from sin that entangles us and keeps us bound. We celebrate Christmas because without Christ, we are still under the law of sin and death. And without him coming as a baby, being born and celebrating the recognition of a change of an era, there was a change of of life that was happening. And Jesus's life started to walk out prophetically calling in the New Testament into being while he was there. And it's such a beautiful thing because God became man, Emmanuel, God with us, and he has never stopped being a man. He did that for us, to free us of sins that we could not free ourselves from. And he has come in as a human to set us free. And we have to celebrate that. Like, we need to remember the faithfulness of God. In the middle of, like, Christmas is about the faithfulness of God. And the scripture out of Romans I I began to read, I want to read even more because, because Jesus came to a Jewish nation And he chose to set them free. But I love what Romans talks about because it includes all of us in this. It says in Romans 5, this is a little bit long, so bear with me. We're going to read through several scriptures. I'm convinced that Jesus the Messiah was sent as a servant to the Jewish people to fulfill the promises God made to our ancestors and to prove God's faithfulness. And now because of Jesus, the non-Jewish people of the world can glorify God for his kindness to them. Fulfilling the prophecy of scripture that says, because of this, I will proclaim you among the nations and they will hear me and sing praises to your name. And in another place, it says, you who are not Jewish, celebrate life right alongside with his Jewish people. And again, it says, praise the Lord Yahweh, all you who are not Jews and let all the people of the earth raise their voices of praise to him. And Isaiah prophesied, an heir to David's throne will emerge and he will rise up as a ruler over all the non-Jewish nations for their hope, for all their hope will be met in him. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you with overflowing and uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. We celebrate looking back on the first section of those scriptures that we get to glorify God because of his kindness to us. We celebrate Jesus because of his kindness towards us. We celebrate him because of his humility, because of his love, because of his sacrifice, his devotion. We celebrate him because of his humanity. We celebrate him because if he hadn't come as a baby, we could not have been made free. We have to understand this and we have to teach it to our kids. We have to walk through the scriptures with him, not just the fun story of his birth and the miracles that happened, but we need to look through all of the the different 
prophetic scriptures that talk about Jesus coming and the hope that the Old Testament held out, the Jewish nation held out for Jesus coming, all of the years of the prophetic words that were coming and then the fulfillment of Christ in them. Our kids need to understand that it's not just... It's not just Jesus being baby. Oh, we celebrate Jesus. He's born as a baby. There's so much impact that comes with Jesus coming, arriving as an infant in our world. We have to remember the impact. Without him coming as an infant, we could not have been made free. And that's why we celebrate him. We remember the day because it's a way that our culture and our brains, God knows how we work as humans, and our brains are designed to remember days and times because it's a mark in the sand. And so we take Christmas and we make it a mark in the sand every year, just like so many of the other Christian holidays. And we go back to it and we talk to our families about it. We remember and we take time to process with them. There's, there's even an Old Testament um, holiday that is... Uh, let me make sure I know it. It's a day of atonement. I should have known that. Okay, and that one actually was not a feast, but instead it was, it was a day of fasting, of repentance before the Lord. Like that is also part of Christmas because without Jesus, there is no repentance of sins. There's no covering of sins. And so we need to take time to remember who he was, who he is, why he came, to celebrate him and to honor him, not as the baby, but coming in as an infant, Emmanuel, God with us, setting us free for knowing that for the next 30 years, his life was literally changing history. He was moving us out of the law of sin and death and into the law of grace, a place of freedom where we are set free from our, the things that entangle us and, and shifts us into adoption where his Holy Spirit, as we believe in him, his Holy Spirit literally comes on the inside of us and sets us free. That could have never happened under the old law. The old law, Holy Spirit could not live on the inside of people. And so as Jesus came, he was literally shifting everything for us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate the birth of Christ and then all of the other things of Christ. Obviously, you know, um, Easter and um, Pentecost, all of those different days are important because they all mar- they're marks in the sand of the faithfulness and the goodness of God coming in and shifting, shifting our lives, shifting everything for us. Okay. The next scripture I have is after Jesus was, I believe, eight days old, he had to go into the temple to be dedicated. And as he goes into the temple, there is a man there who had, he was old. And I didn't get the whole beginning part of the scriptures because there was just quite a few verses there that I, um, I was going to skip through. His name was Simeon. And he had been told from the, from, for a while, like the Lord had told him years beforehand, that he would not see death until he got to greet the Savior of the world. And so it says that, that he was quite old. And then here we start up in Luke 2, verse 27. It says, For this reason, because of the promise of God to Simeon, The Holy Spirit had moved him to be in the temple court at that very moment that Jesus' parents entered in to fulfill the requirement of the sacrifice. Simeon cradled the baby in his arms, and he praised God and prophesied, saying, 
Lord and Master, I am your loving servant, and now I can die content, for your promise to me has been fulfilled. With my own eyes, I have seen your word, the Savior that you sent into the world. He will be glory for your people Israel, and revelation light to all the people everywhere. Simeon got to, because he understood exactly what was happening the moment that Jesus was born. That God was sending his light, the word of God, into the world to become Emmanuel to be God with us. Simeon got to experience, and he celebrated the birth of Jesus. And he got to, he got to, like he literally says to God, I get to die in peace now. Now I know my day, like I'm, I'm content. Everything is finished. Everything that you've promised me has been fulfilled in this moment that I get to hold the Savior of God in my, or the Savior of the world in my arms. And I get to pray over him. But I think it's really important to remember the next scriptures too, because these scriptures are the scriptures where Simeon then turns to Mary and he privately says this to her. And it's really important that we remember the whole purpose of Jesus coming. Mary and Joseph stood there awestruck over what was being said about their baby. And Simeon then blessed them and then he prophesied over to Mary. A painful sword will one day pierce will pierce your inner being, for your child will be rejected by many in Israel. And the destiny of your child is this. He will be laid down as a miracle sign for the downfall and resurrection of many in Israel. Many will oppose this sign, but it will expose to all the innermost thoughts of their hearts before God. He came to expose our hearts. He came so that we would be resurrected. Simeon got to prophesy the beauty and the glory of Jesus showing up. But then he looked to his mother and to his mommy he said, brace yourself because it's going to be hard. Because over the next 30 years, you're going to watch your son be tortured and hated by so many people. For all those mothers in the, in the room, we want our kids to live a life where they're loved and and just enjoyed that we want them to be surrounded by friends. We want them to be, to be, to just thrive, right? And to know from the very beginning that it was going to be hard and it was going to be gut-wrenching for her. But that was the reason why he came. He came to let Jesus walk through that. Jesus came to walk through that so that we didn't have to. We celebrate him because of that. We celebrate him because we couldn't have, without his birth, he couldn't have died. We couldn't have been set free without the process of him being hated and despised. That's why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We have to teach it to our kids. Jesus didn't live in joy all of his life. He had the joy of the Lord in his heart, but his life was not easy. He was constantly getting rebuked and constantly being like almost killed. How many times does it say that they went to stone him and then he would escape from their midst? Like he was not living in this beautiful little place where he was just happy and dancing everywhere he went, right? The, the torturous 
death, the very end of his life was one of extreme pain. And yeah, that doesn't even really, I can't even really put it into words, but to, to know that he did that for us so that we could be set free, right? So that we could move from the old covenant of sin and death and into the law of grace. He did that for us. We have to teach that to our kids. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about who Jesus is, Emmanuel with us, walking as God among us, living a sinless life. His death, his burial, his resurrection, so that we could move into a new covenant. I love this one because this one's actually quoted by Jesus. This one's out of Luke 4.18. He had come into the temple. This is his first public, like, announcement of who he is. He's handed us the scroll of Isaiah. He opens it up to Isaiah 61 and he reads this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He has, God has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. I have all the different words in here. It's like he's, he's called us to preach the gospel to the poor. It means to bring the joyful news of God's kindness to the poor, to those who are needy and helpless. To all those who are oppressed, it means those who are shattered and broken into pieces. He brought sight to the blind and set free those who were shattered and broken into pieces. How many of us have felt like sometimes our life has gotten shattered and broken into pieces? Jesus was sent to heal us, to redeem us, to set us free. This is why we celebrate Christ. We worship Christ and his birth because he came to take all of our shattered and broken lives and to pull them back together and to create something incredibly beautiful. I'm going to end with this one. Everybody knows this one pretty much. John three sixteen and 17. And it says, for God, for this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So not everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience life everlasting. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. He is our gift. We give gifts for several reasons on Christmas. One of the reasons that we give gifts is, is because when the, um, the wise men came, they brought gifts to Jesus and they celebrated him with gifts. It's also, you know, one of the reasons why we bring gifts to women who have had babies even now. We bring gifts as a recognition that, you know, hey, we can all jump in and help bring your, this baby in and make it easier for you. But it's a gift of love that the wise men got to bring. But we have to remember, like, there's so many people who have said, you know, Jesus is the biggest gift. Like, he is the reason. But Jesus gave us a gift. He gave us his very own perfect son, right? So that we could live. So that when we believe in him and accept him into our life, everything is changed. We have hope. We were singing about joy. We have the fullness of joy because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and brings us joy. Joy isn't contingent upon our circumstance. It's understanding who God is in the middle of them. It's not just our emotions. 
We celebrate Jesus because he's our gift, our prize. He's the precious Lamb of God who was born into a dirty and evil world to set us free. We have to remember that. This is what we teach our children. All of the other frivolous stuff of Christmas, it doesn't matter. The reason, the reason why he came, the reason why we celebrate and worship Christ, Christmas, it's the worship of Christ, is because we remember that he is the gift that God gave that changed us and moved us from one era into another, and that as we accept him into our life, Emmanuel, God with us, he sends the Holy Spirit to us to come and fill us with hope. He's the God of hope, with joy. He's the God of joy. He's the Prince of Peace. What are the things that the world needs right now? They need hope. They need joy. They need peace, right? Like, you know, and, and this, is, this is what it's about. Like, Christmas is about understanding who Christ is, what he did for us, and how if he hadn't have been born un, like, from a woman into the earth at the fulfillment of time, at the fullness of time, then everything would have been shifted. We could not have been able to walk into the law of grace and live under this law of grace anymore. All of these things had to be done just like they are. And so we celebrate and we begin to, to recognize this is a day that we mark in the sand to remember who God is, what he's done for us, how he has been faithful to us, and how he has redeemed us from having to live in sin. And we get to step into the place of freedom, right? I would encourage you I feel like I was talking, I was chatting with Eden about some of this last night, and she had, I had just said, I feel like we have moved as a culture from the worship of Christ, understanding who he is on Christmas, into, into celebrating ourselves. And that's where we've missed it. When our kids don't understand that they're actually celebrating the life and the birth of someone else, it's kind of like all of us have experienced this. When you have a, when you have a bunch of kids at a little kid party, like two, three, four-year-olds, the child whose birthday it is often doesn't get to blow out his own candles, Right? Because some other little kid who doesn't understand that they're there to celebrate that person thinks it's their right to get to blow out the candles because they want to. Right? Their selfishness, honestly, is on display, as cute as it might be. Right? But for the child who doesn't get to blow out their birthday candles, it's heartbreaking. Right? I think that that's what we have to do. We have to teach our kids before Christmas ever comes, it's not my job to blow out Jesus' birthday candles. Does that make sense? It's not my job to, it's not all about me. It's about him. And yeah, they might get gifts, and yeah, they might get to have some fun things in their life during Christmas, and they might get celebrated too, but they're celebrated because we're celebrating the one, the gift that came to us. We have to shift the way that we talk to our kids. And I'm going to probably say something that might be offensive to some of you guys. Our children's department is amazing. But they get your kids for 52 Sundays a year if you come every single week. 
They cannot teach the essence of who Christ is in 52 Sundays a week. It has to be lived out in our homes. It has to be talked about consistently. It has to be modeled by our character, by our life, by the way that we worship, by the way that we, the way that we practice Christmas in our homes. We have to change the way that we talk to our kids because the world is teaching them stuff. The world is teaching them that it's a self-centered holiday all about themselves. And we have to shift it and we have to take our, all of the focus as much as we can off of them and to let them know that it's about Christ and Christ then overflows his love back onto them, right? In his abundance and his beauty because he, he, when we love people, we overflow with love. And when our children can understand that if they can love Jesus, that the love of Jesus will then overflow, they will never be concerned about what they don't have. Because they know that Jesus, as we give everything we have to him and we worship him with all of who we are and we remember who he is, he then overflows into us, right? And so our children then can understand that the gifts they receive is because Jesus isn't standing here in person to receive gifts. So we give gifts out of a place of generosity and out of love like the wise men gave to Jesus, we turn to those we love and we say, because of the love of Jesus in us, we want to bless you, right? But it's not about them. And our kids need to know that Christmas isn't about them and that it's okay, right? Because in a way it is about them. But the essence is we have to worship the one and let all of the, the, the love of God pour out over into who Jesus is. We need to become really thankful for Christmas, for the birth of Jesus, you know, because him becoming Emmanuel and paving a way for the Holy Spirit to live in us has changed everything for us, right? All right, well, Jesus, we just, we thank you. We thank you that you are a gift. We thank you that you are a human, that you came to bring the light of revelation into our hearts, God. And that you loved the whole entire world so much that you didn't exclude us from your, from your gift of your son. God, we thank you that we get to take a moment and to make, to make a day where we get to just continually just stay in your presence, God, and worship you. I just pray that you would give each one of us creative ways of practicing Christmas in a different way, God, where we would mark our children's hearts to just be able to worship you for your goodness and your kindness and your faithfulness over us, for the love that you poured out because you chose to shed your glory, God. You took it off and you stepped in to, became, to become a slave, a human being dedicated to do the Father's will so that you could set us free. God, we thank you for the essence of Christmas, the recognition that God became man and you dwelled among us so that you could set us free. Would you show us how to begin to worship you in that way over Christmas season? And we thank you for your faithfulness, God. 
Yeah, you weren't slow in coming. You came at the fullness of time. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.